Well, hello everyone. It's time for announcements in the backwards hat today because my hair is silly. Hey, coming up, September 27th is our next jam night. I invite everybody to come on and, and uh, you can bring your instrument, you can sing along, you can just worship too, but it's a lot of fun. That's going to be September 27th at 6.30 p.m. here at the church in the auditorium. You can grab your chord charts uh, on the app if you want to know the words and what songs we're going to be playing to practice up. So, hey, do that. Also coming up, it's the first Wednesday in October. I believe it's October 6th. I am going to double check for you right here. It's not. It's October 4th. This is why we look on our phones that tell us everything because I don't know what days are what. October 4th is uh, going to be the first Wednesday. Uh, that's going to be our next One More Youth. We invite middle schoolers and high schoolers uh, to come over to the church and join us for a great time. Uh, we learn more about the Bible. Uh, we have some worship, and we always have a game we play, and we eat pizza. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Great youth group. October 4th, 6.30 p.m. here at the church. Uh, make sure you have our church app downloaded. Great app. Lots of great stuff there. And that's all the announcements I have for you today. With all that being said, let's get ready for church. Woo! Go Dolphins! <laughs> it's funny how you snuck in a Go Dolphins there. Welcome everybody online. Glad to have you with us. We're getting ready to hop into worship. We've had a great morning so far. Looking forward to spending this time with you. We're back into our series on sword sharpening. We're dealing with some hard verses today, so it's... Uh, interesting anyway. So get your Bibles, get a coffee, get comfortable and get ready because here we go. Woo! Good morning, family. It is great to see all your faces and hear your voices. It's always, I don't don't know about Doug, but it's my favorite time of the week being here with you guys. Sorry, I didn't. I can't speak for you. I like Sundays too. Yeah. Yeah, Sundays are a good thing. I just didn't want to assume, you know, but yeah. We love being here with you guys, and we're looking forward to spending time with you all in worship and in the Word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. In case you don't know the flow yet, we're going to start things off with communion. Pastor Fran is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship, and then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to all of their Sunday school classrooms, and then we will have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We are diving into some really deep, interesting stuff some hard verses and what to do with them. And it's really good. Before we get into any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we thank you for the privilege of gathering in your house to celebrate and worship you with our brothers and sisters. We thank you for what you've been doing in us and through us this week, God, for how you've been cultivating those family traits We thank you for how you've been empowering us this week to display your love and your joy and your peace and your patience. We ask for more, God. 
We ask that you would continue growing us and shaping our hearts after your heart. This morning, Papa, we also ask that you would help us to put our burdens down. Everything we walked in with this morning. We want to stand before you unburdened this morning. We want to worship you freely and unhindered. No distractions. You are so, so good to us, Papa. And we love you and we thank you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Guard your church, Lord, with your perpetual mercy. And because in our weakness, we cannot stand without you. Keep us from all that may harm us and lead us toward all that is beneficial for our now and forever life in you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Pastor Fran. On the night he's betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. Saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. St. Mary took a cup. It's the last night of the Passover celebration. Cups of place and sanctification and poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third cup to cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night, Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance, remembrance that we call communion of the Lord's Supper. He said, from now on, we get together and partake in this meal. I want you to remember me. So as friends gather this morning, we too can partake in this meal. The bread and the cup, the Bible of the Lord. Remember, give thanks. Remember all Jesus has said and done and promised to do. Remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. I want to remember how he died and rose again. I want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back soon. So on this table, the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, the Bible of the Lord. Table's open this morning to all who believe. Says we worship and you feel led by the Spirit. Go eat, drink, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Fran. Now we're going to start our time of worship now. And I encourage all of us to sing out, lift your voices, praise the Lord. He is worthy of our praise and worship here today. We're going to see the words on the screen so we can sing along with those. You're welcome to sit, stand if you're able. We praise you, Lord. Silence is 
freedom feels like is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what
Lord, we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. Father, you're good to us and we love you. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord, God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you. And we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? I see you grow so much. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. I'm so excited. You're going to love today's Bible verse and the crafts that go along with it. It's going to be so much fun. But today we are in the book of Matthew chapter 23. And we see again, right? Because Jesus loves people, right? And he's always teaching them about the kingdom of God. So Jesus was with a crowd of people and he told them, right? The religious leaders, they they tell you about God's law, right? But guess, and, and, he, and Jesus said, and you should obey it, right? You should definitely obey the law. But he said, do not be like the religious leaders who tell you to do one thing, but they don't do that themselves, right? And he says that they care more about people thinking that they are great, right? They... They like getting all the attention and being called teacher by everyone, right? That's what they care about. And Jesus told the crowd, but you have one teacher and you have one father, God, right? And he is in heaven. And then he told them, Matthew 23, verse 11 through 12, which is our Bible verse. Jesus said that the greatest among you will be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Isn't that amazing? And then he gave the religious leaders a warning because he really wanted them to change their minds, right? To change their hearts. So he gave them a warning. He said, it will be terrible for you to lead people to follow you, right? But you lead them away from God. He said, you care more about following rules than showing justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He told Yes, thank you. And he told them that the religious leaders, they look clean on the outside. They look right, but inside they were dirty. He told them, you wash the cup and the dish from the outside, but you are greedy and you are selfish. And finally, he told the religious leaders, right? He said, um, he told them that they are like a family of poisonous snakes, right? And that they would be punished because God had told them, right? That the greatest commandment is to love God and love who, guys? Others, right? He told them that's so important, but they weren't doing that. The religious leaders loved themselves more, right? And that's not how God wants us to be. And thank goodness, Jesus 
right, is here to save us. And if we trust him, he makes our relationship with God right, and he changes our hearts. So our hearts love him, and we do, we obey him, right? Isn't that awesome? Thumbs up if you think that's awesome. Awesome. Good. All right. All right. Are we ready to say the Bible verse? And then we get a sticker, and then I pray. Okay? Ready? Repeat after me. Matthew 23. Verses 11 and 12. Verses 11 and 12. The greatest among you. The greatest among you. Will be your servant. Will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself. Whoever exalts himself. Will be humbled. Will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself. Will be exalted. Perfect job. Wow, you guys are amazing. Good job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Then Pastor Georgina will pray for them and we'll send them off to Children's Church. girls. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, that you change our hearts when we trust you. Thank you so much, Lord God, for helping us to love you, right? And to love others. In Jesus' name, what do we say? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Georgina. We have the cutest kids. It's funny, when it takes out a long time to pass stickers, you that's know, a good thing. You know, there's a lot of kids, <laughs> yeah. Bye, baby. <laughs> Have fun, kids. Yes. Bye. Listen well, learn well, obey, all that good stuff, and have fun, and do it all. Yes. Yeah. Have <laughs> snacks. Try and do all, and a snack. You can't beat a snack. You can't beat a snack. A snack and a nap. It's biblical. Cute straggler there. I like the little bow. How would I look with a little pink bow? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, okay. That QR code takes you to a page on our website that has six important links, at least. Uh, One of them is a Connect card. If you never filled that out, please do. Uh, Another one will be the fill-in notes, uh, which we suggest you download. Another one takes you to our translation link. So this service in 11 uh, is translated really coolly on your, really coolly, really well on your phone in 30 different languages. So it's actually pretty amazing. And and so check that out uh, if you need that. And there's also a listening assistance device uh, that works through your phone as well, if you have headphones. So all those things are on that page. And... uh, Use it. There's lots of very helpful stuff there. I'm also supposed to announce. Pastor Fran said, would you please announce this? The men's group is having a little retreat. And it's from October 15th through the 18th. It's up in Okeechobee. I called it camping last service. And it's not. It's at a lodge that one of our friends actually has up there in a big spread. And there's hunting and fishing. And it'll be a very... very, And it's also air-conditioned. So it's a very man event. Yes. 
Um, if you're interested, guys, you want to go, find Pastor Fran and ask him about it. It's 15th through the 18th, so it's mm-hmm. coming up. And I think he said he had nine slots open still. Awesome. So people, yeah, so yeah. if you want to go, that's are cool. You, are you going? Absolutely not. <laughs> Is there something? Okay. Yeah, I understand. Fortunately, I will be on a mission trip in Puerto Rico. Oh, the, Unfortunately, well, yes. I so Unfortunately, yes. I'm distracted. However, yes, it should be great. And the, the folks that own it, have, uh, they're they're living in Okeechobee before. They come down here very yeah. often, and they're mm-hmm. neat uh, and been coming for years. So they're opening up a spot for us, uh, so it should be fun, guys. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go. When we gather, we pray for our neighbors. Um, we do this to reinforce what we ask you to do every day. Pray for the people that live around you. This is, I'm, I'm convinced, it's the most important ministry most of us will ever do. Uh, and it's significant, and it's powerful, and it changes lives. So keep doing it. But think about a couple of your neighbors right now, and let's go to the Lord. Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. Draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Continuing on in the series we're doing called Sword Sharpening. This is about making the most of your time in the Bible. 17 weeks in. We're going to do one more week after this one. Um, this is an interesting message today. We're, we're dealing again with difficult Bible verses. So get ready for that. And, uh, and that's where we're heading. But I need to do these bad jokes. Do you really? So I, can, okay. I do. And these actually all came from Pastor Billy. Yep. Uh, he's texted uh, me these <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. And so uh, if, you, if you don't care for them, then don't blame me. Yep. I'm just I can passing give them you along. Billy's email if these you all it. came from Billy. Did you ever consider that bread is a lot like the sun? Not really. It rises in the yeast and sets in the waste. Ta-da! Bad. Very bad. Bad. I'm just passing on to the, what this I have to deal with just so they get a feel for it. Get I started investing in stocks. Did you? Beef, chicken, vegetable. Right. I hope one day to be a billionaire. You probably could be. That's <laughs> It's a goal I think I could reach. Probably. Yeah, this is fun. Because we went to a theater recently to see a performance that was all about puns. Mm-hmm. It was a play on words. That's not really, yeah. We did not go Thank recently. You. To was, the no, we didn't. No. None of that was true. But yeah. this is. Okay. Please pray for us and lead us in the reading of the word. I'll give it my best shot. Thank you. Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence is always with us. If we climb the highest mountain, your presence is there. If we settle on the far side of the sea, see even there, you are with us. Your faithfulness, Lord, is like the rising and the setting of the sun. You're always there for us. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of Galatians, chapter 3, beginning at 26. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. 
for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You can all be seated. So passages like that. Now, hopefully that you've been hanging into this whole series and you've looked how the story fits. You see that and you get that what that means, that, that we're Abraham's seed, that we're heirs according to the promise, that uh, we see how the story has developed and, and we know, you know, how Jesus has come as perfect Israel and satisfied all of the co- you know, covenant promises and everything that needed to happen. And we can trace that back further, even back to the crimson thread of redemption after the fall, that someone would come who would make a way back for us to be reconciled back into creation. You, you have the overall story. And that's extremely important so that as you read the Bible, you can put things into context. Uh, and if you were here a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, I gave you that flow chart, which you can get on the app, to see how the story fits and to see how history fits. And, and I want to encourage you as you read the Bible to make use of that so that you can begin to deal with some difficult verses that will pop up as you read the scripture. Uh, and it's funny because this is, this is a, uh, is it heavy? It's tough. This is one of those messages that you think as a, as a pastor, I'd rather do something about, you know, sunshine and rainbows, I think. Uh, but every now and again, you gotta get into some of this stuff because I think it's essential to have some tools when you read the Bible in dealing with hard Bible verses. Cause there are some. There are some difficult Bible verses. And as someone who's encourage people to read the scripture for a long time. Um, the, the problem is that sometimes when people say yes and begin to read the Bible, they run across things that actually move them sort of more away from God than towards him because they're not sure how to deal with it. And I don't want that to happen to anybody. I want you to have the tools that when you hit a hard verse, whether it's you don't understand it hard or that doesn't sound like God to you hard or it's so counterculture you can't even imagine how we can hang on to that hard, that rather than move away from it, you go after it and you press into it to find out why it's there and what it means and and how it relates to us in the story. And so I, I think it's very important. And there's some tools that I believe will really help you as you press into that. And, and so um, I, I'm, I'm convinced to my heart to have you read the scripture is that when you read the scripture and you understand the bigger story and how it fits together, what it does is it makes you aware of the amazing love that God has for you. And as that begins to settle on you, it makes you a more loving person. It makes you love God more. And it actually makes you love the people around you more. And that, uh, as we've been saying, we say all the time, but the last few weeks in particular, how, how do we love well uh, in the world around us? And what does that look like? Because that, to me, is the heart of all of this. We, if we don't love well, we will never have the opportunities that we need to share with people the good news that we have. It has to come from that heart of loving well. So uh, we need to press in and be ready to deal with um, pushback from the Bible, uh, not only when we read it, but when others read it and then sort of confront us with it as believers. Like, how can you believe this? And did you know the Bible said that? And so we have to Lord, of look at those things. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, it'll be good. Yeah. I'm just laughing at Alice. Well, sometimes she tries to 
talk to me during worship, and it's loud, right? And my hearing is not what it was when I was a younger person. It works okay, I think, uh, especially if I can see, you know, mouths move at the same time. I got to tell you, like during COVID, I didn't hear anything anybody said. So uh, <laughs> I'm, there was a lot of nodding. And, but anyway, uh, she tells me, and I just think it's funny, and I said to her in one of those exchanges, because she basically had to yell it to me, I said, this is just going to get worse as we continue to age. This is going to get more and more fun. So, does it? Yeah, it doesn't really apply to anything, but but we do have the words on when we watch TV now. I think I told you there's a study out that a lot of people do that. It's just easier to... Anyway, it really increased my reading. So when you read the Bible and you find a hard verse, any one of those categories that I talked about, Here's the first thing you always, I want you to have just deep within you when you read the Bible. You got to remember the kingdom revealed. And that was one of those sections I covered. And actually that we're going to, our next big series will be, we're going to develop that. Uh, the kingdom, the heart of God revealed is in Genesis 1 and 2. That's it, those first two chapters. And in those first two chapters, you find this, what, what God wanted and wants is he wanted to be in this sort of cosmic temple, a place where heaven and earth connected. That's what Genesis 1 and 2 are about. Uh, and that he would be there, uh, we would be there, his human family, and the divine family, they'd be there as well. And the heart of God was, we would all get together, we would all hang out together, everything would be awesome. We were gonna, he was gonna partner with us to go and make a difference on the rest of the planet. Eden was perfect, the rest of the planet was good. Come on, we're gonna go and we're gonna make it all just like this. Here we go. This is, it's gonna be awesome. That's the heart of God. Okay? That, and you have to remember, that's what God wanted. And that's what God still wants. And um, in, in the process, what we do is we say no to that uh, repeatedly and cause a huge mess, lots of messes. And, and it takes the rest of that Bible story to work us back into a way to be reconciled till ultimately you get to the last two chapters that we looked at, Kingdom Consummated, where we have that situation again that we had in the beginning. No more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death. God is there. He's the light. We're there. That's always the heart of God. That's what God wants. So you need to hang on to that when you read the scripture because after Genesis 2, there's a lot of things in there that are, are not what God wanted at all. And we don't always know how to reconcile that because we read the Bible and we think, well, all of this is what, what God wanted. And uh, you need to know that one of the most amazing things that God did in his love for us was give us the ability to make choices. And, and you, you have to sort of get a hold of why he did that because God wants people to be in relationship with him who choose to be in relationship with him. They make that choice. Not because there's no other option. Because if there's no other option, it's really not a relationship. It's more of a forced thing. It's different altogether. It's more of a servant thing than it is a child thing. And, and so God's desire was to be in relationship with people who choose to be in relationship with him. So he gave us and has the ability to make choices. And unfortunately, we've made really bad choices. We've taken that free will and we've used it. 
And sort of the, the universal command that he had in place at the beginning was simple. It was, because he's God, you can trust him, and he loves you, and his, he's wise, and he wants the best for you, and everything was go, yay, except for one tree. That's it. Stay away from the fruit of that tree. And, and what we should have done is understood that he loves us, that he's wise, that he's God, he, he doesn't keep anything from us, it's good for us, and we should have said yes, and we didn't. We said, no, we got to have that. And, and the result of that, the consequence of us choosing to go after that instead of going God's way, which all of us have done since, is exile. It was exile from the garden. And then you sort of get another story where later on God rescues his people and gives them another set of words, commands, do these, and we don't do those either. And there's another big exile. And all those are pictures of that he's, you know, he rescues us and he wants us to be in relationship with him and to sort of understand that the fallout, and this is tricky, all the garbagey stuff in the, the hard stuff in the Bible, that's our fault, not his. And yet we would rather blame him. It's just easier. Well, why doesn't, you know, have you ever had anybody ask you, well, how can a loving God, and then give you whatever's next? And, and I want you to just know, because these are difficult even for yourself. What you have to know is, no, what a loving God wanted was relationship with us forever in this perfect sort of environment where we got to hang out. The garbage is our end. It's not what God did. It's what we did, given the choice. We chose to go our own way. And what you read about, all those hard things in the Bible, are just the depravity of humanity apart from God. It's horrific. And God is dealing with it in the rest of the story. Because that's what he's doing. He's not okaying it. He's not saying this is awesome. He's not. He's just dealing with the depravity that we've put out there. It wasn't what he wanted. And you, you have to hold that intention because you will read things that you think. It almost feels like sometimes you read it and it's like hateful what's going on in there. And that's not God. And, and you want to, you have to get past the idea, well, God could just do this. He could. He's God. But he gave us free will and he's not going to go back on that. And so he allows us to make choices. That gift, which is huge, was given because ultimately he would come and pay the price for all the bad choices we were going to make when he would come fully God, fully man and go to the cross and deal with the power of sin and the power of death. So so people, you know, they'll often say, well, where was God when this horrible thing happened? Well, I always say, well, he was on the cross dealing with it. But it, it, don't blame God. It's because we've gone our own way over and over and over and over. We looked at the rebellions and the constant rebellion that takes place, and that's the fallout in the Scripture. Isn't this a happy message? (laughs) People are looking at me. Everybody's listening, but they're looking at me. So the other thing that happens... Uh, when you, when you, so hang on to that. You've got to have that. That's one of the most important tools when you read the Bible. Heart of God, Genesis 1 and 2 in the last couple of chapters of the book. That's what God wants. Remember that. The mess, not God's fault. Our fault. The brokenness is on us because we've all chosen to go our own way apart from God. And actually, I think it's fascinating that it's recorded in divine literature so that we never forget how depraved we are apart from God. It's, it's in here. It's horrific. It's horrific. It really is. And, it, and, and, and so it's not light reading. Um, 
But it's extremely important because I think when you read it in context of what's going on, what you'll see is the love of God for you. And that ultimately, what we need is it's, it, we don't read it like how to be a better version of ourselves. The reality is we read it and, and what we come to is the, the understanding that we needed a substitute because we just can't get it. And so it points to why he came and what he did. But we get, we're so hard-hearted that what we need is a, is a heart transplant. And, and he does that. Um, in, in the scripture, Holy Spirit is obviously what does it, but he talks about it way back in Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Holy Spirit will ultimately come, and, and now we have him to help us make better choices. And he empowers us now that we can make God-honoring choices. We don't always, but we're empowered now to do that because of what he's done. As the story has moved along, that's pretty significant. I have, a, I have just had a thought about a heart transplant. So I met, uh, I met Don today. I think Don was his name. He's a, he was a pastor in Naples for a long time, and we had a mutual friend we just met whose name was Ed. Pastor Ed, pastor of the vineyard in Naples. And Ed had a New England accent. He did, and it was funny. So, uh, and one time I was on a mission trip in Cuba and invited him to come along. I used to go to Cuba a lot, and he came, and he was speaking, and we had to speak through a translator. We had a really good translator, uh, and uh, Ed is talking, and all of a sudden he starts talking about something about the heart. And, and in his story, he talked about a heart attack. And the translator, his name was Carlos, um, he, he looks at me, because we've been friends for, for a long time. And he's, he's, he's looking at heart attack. And because when Ed says it, it sounds like hat attack. And, and my translator is looking at me, my friend, he's like, his hat attacked him? I don't understand. Some, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 not hat. He's saying heart. It just sounds like hat. So we need, we need hat transplants. So, so that's what he's doing now. But we have to sort of own the reality that the brokenness and the mess that we reel about is because of our sin. It's not on God. Don't, it's not God's heart. God's desire was what he says in those first couple of chapters and the last couple of chapters of the book. And so you, you need to remember that. Another big thing, and, and you may not have challenged yourself on this and you may need to, and I want you to wrestle with this, is that we have a tendency of saying that, that this statement, when something bad happens, well, that must have been God's will. Please challenge that. <laughs> God's will is expressed in the first two chapters and the last couple of chapters of the book. That's what he wants, and he's making that possible. The garbage that happens, if, 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 if it was always what God wanted, all this mess, then you wouldn't be taught to pray, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so a lot of that mess is, is just what that is. It's the fallout, the consequence of sin. Okay, so don't settle for garbagey things and then have that thought, well, God, God ought to fix that. God could do that. God, God could do that. But he's given us free will and he holds up that, that end of the deal that there's going to be consequences that are difficult. All right, those are important tools to have. So what am I talking about? Well, when you begin to read the Bible, you will find difficult verses. And, and as someone who is constantly encouraging you as believers to read the Bible, I want you to be able to handle them. If you're not encountering difficult verses, it means you're not reading the Bible. I'm not picking on people when I say this, but most believers never read the Bible. They just don't. 
I think it's, it's because of the, the devious attack of the evil one who's made it difficult for believers to pick up the Bible and read through it for whatever reason. And so we don't. And we settle for a teaching here and a teaching there and a podcast here and this, that, and this. And that's, I'm not picking on any of those things. But, but it, you have to read the scripture for yourself because there's so much in there that you will never hear, uh, in, in the course of maybe going to church your whole lives. And a lot of believers, their sort of understanding of the Bible has been taught to them through Bible stories. And a lot of folks that I've met have gone to church their whole life and have a backlog of great children's stories that they remember as kids. And praise God for the children's Bible stories. Because it provides a great foundation. But you have to know that the stories are sanitized for children. By that I mean we leave the hard stuff out on purpose. And so we have stories like like the flood. And, and, and we have Noah in the ark. And in children's church, that's a great story with fun-looking animals having a great time on a boat. And it's, whoo, and, and it's, you know, and, and everything is really good, and it's all these animals, and, and it, it doesn't sort of deal with what's going on on the, on the outside of the ark, which is, is, is really difficult. We've talked about that. Uh, and it's, it's just becomes this sort of little story that people know, and then they can or can't believe it or whatever they want to do with it. It was just this, it was just that, nobody, this story. And then, and then, uh, I, like a lot of people, haven't read on. You know, when Gen, in, in, get like to Genesis nine, just three chapters later, and and Noah has uh, gotten off the ark and he's planted a vineyard, and he makes wine, and he gets naked drunk. I like to say that in church because you don't get to say that very often. And there was stunned silence. What? What? And if you don't know that Noah got naked drunk, you probably haven't read that part of the book. I'm not picking. I'm just saying it's in there, but it's not the sort of children. I promise you we never taught that in children's church. <laughs> and so you, what do we do with that? And you, you, can, you should look at that. There's a fallout from that because one of the sons doesn't handle it appropriately. And, well, why was Noah getting drunk? And, well, he'd just been through the flood, not excusing it. And, and Noah's gotten older, and maybe he can't handle his wine like he used to. There's all kinds of things that you can think about, but they just have never thought about it. And, and, and because we haven't read it, we, we get ourselves in this position where here's the problem now that we have, is that we want people to know God, and we love God, and we think, oh, why doesn't everybody love God? You know, it's, a, it's amazing, this deal we have. And, and unbelievers have figured out that most believers haven't actually read the Bible. And they begin to find verses that they cherry pick and say, well, how can you believe in a God who's like this? How can you believe in a God that does this? How can you believe in a God that allows this to happen? And because we haven't read it or dealt with it, we don't know. And one of the things, sadly, that happens, as I've encouraged for years for people to read the Scripture, every now and again, someone will say, and they'll start to read it, and it actually moves them away from God instead of towards Him. Because they well, I didn't know that was in there. I can't read that. That's not... And, and I don't ever want you to be moved away from him. When you find something that makes you feel like that, please remember the heart of God, Genesis 1 and 2, and that he gave us free will, and the mess is not him. So I was thinking about giving you a bunch of verses today, and I, then I chose, I decided not. I just want to give you tools to deal with difficult verses, and the difficult verses you can find yourselves. If you're really interested, you can go Google this, uh, Atheist Maker Bible Verses. And, and a list will pop up, many lists, about scriptures that people have found and read in the Bible that they say actually move them away from God instead of towards Him. 
And, and the problem is they haven't been taught how to deal with those verses. And that's what I want to do in this short time that we have. And, and I think it's worth having a heavy message, so I give you these tools, okay? So there's, there's three very prominent sort of uh, genres, is a word in my head, I don't know, targets right now that, that we face all the time, social media and everything that people would try and lay on you and say, well, how can you follow God? How can you believe in God? Look at what he says. And, and those big three are um, that, that, that God is pro-slavery, that's what they say, that he's anti-women, and that he's violent. So how do you deal with that in the scripture? Because when you read it, you will find these verses that, that they use to argue those things, and you need to know the bigger story. So in, in response to the first couple, let me, let me give you this. We'll, we'll talk quickly about slavery and misogyny. Uh, but let's get these verses in our heads first. The first one was the one Alice read in the scripture reading. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay. So uh, there Paul is talking about how uh, God created us to be equal and he's moving us in that direction. It's not about this or that or this or that or this or that. If, if you're in Christ, then you've moved back into that spot where God originally planned and where he moved us towards in being uh, together and, and in relationship with one another and with him. And, and so people say, well, there's verses in the Bible where God, it looks like God says, well, in slavery, you can sell these people, you can sell your kids, you know, you can, you can do these things with your kids, and people freak out about that. Let me say, first off, remembering Genesis 1 and 2, God did not invent slavery. Do not blame God for slavery. Slavery is the fallout of corrupt humanity. It has got nothing that was never in the heart of God. Well, well, why does he seem to deal with it? Because he's dealing with us in our corrupt state until he can rescue us and restore us at the end and reconcile us. And he slowly starts bringing those things back into line. And you'll see him in the Old Testament start to say, like every seven years, you need to release them all. Um, you need to know that slavery, even though it's abhorrent, it was back then, it was a way of, when people were in debt, they would sell themselves into servitude in order to pay that debt and they would be released when it was paid off. It was more along that line, not the horrific stuff that we have still ongoing in the world today um, that, that is talking about. And that throughout the scripture, God is moving people along to the place where there shouldn't be any of it. Because it's not okay. It's not, it's never a, a situation that should be looked upon. God is not in favor of slavery. He's dealing with human depravity and he's beginning to try and set some things in order. But he's not the cause of it. And so you need to hang on to that. It's important. Okay, well, people say, well, the Bible is like anti-women. Again, so not true. Look back in the beginning of how God created things. Male and female, he created them. In his image, he created them. There's something about a, a, a male and a female, a man and a woman, presenting, they present the image of God in, in the best possible way. They're imagers of God that way. Not one is greater than the other. Not one is less than the other. That was never God's heart. Where did that mess start? Well, after the fall. Instead of, instead of working together and being the team they were called to be, they got competitive against one another. And the fallout is horrific and continues. But God is in there... Constantly trying to do like that verse again. No, no, you, this is how you were created. The, even back in the very beginning in Genesis, when it says, I'll, I'm going to make a helper for Adam and people, well, a helper, that's somebody who's less than. The word that's there in the Hebrew 
is used of, of the, the helpmate for uh, Adam. But do you know that 66 times in the Old Testament that word is used for God? Not as less than, as a helper, as, as a how it works, how it's supposed to partner together. And all that gets twisted over time and the enemy uses it. God is not anti-women, even a little bit. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, Acts 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. God's heart is, is for what he wanted in the beginning. This, this place where we get along with him and with one another and there isn't this relational stress and all of the mess that's going on. So he's not pro-slavery and he's not anti-women. And what about violence? That's the third big one. What do you do with the violence in the world? Violence is difficult to understand. It is. And, and so here's what I do. Hold this verse in mind. You, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. I have your phone, Murray. It's up here. Sorry. That's why people were standing awkwardly and I needed to address it. Okay. It also broke the tension a little bit. Quick little dance. Okay, now. That's my tension reliever if you've never been here before because everybody's really serious. That verse is said many, many times in the, in the Old Testament, that thought. God is slow to anger. Thank you that he is. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. And so when you look and in the Old Testament, you will find these difficult things where it looks like God says, I don't care about those people and I don't care about those people and take them all out. And, and you, have, well, why in the world is that in there? Let me give you this one. And, and it's never easy violence. And the, you have to press in and look at what's going on. And most of that was in a very limited time in history and against the backdrop of God's bigger heart. But one of the things that's going on is that there's still a giant problem. You know, if you weren't here when I talked about this, go back and watch the fight series because I address it there. But the Elohim, remember I told you about them, the little E guys, um, they in, early on in Genesis begin to, they decide to make their own race of people by it, it, breeding with human women. And the result is the Nephilim, the giants. And the giants just, they just disrupt humanity completely. That is, they just are, they have the, the whole, they destroy humanity. And at the flood, there was a cosmic reset to deal with the giant problem. But somehow, even after the flood, there's still a giant problem. They're still there. We read about them. And that's a fascinating discussion that I don't have time to go into. But, but well, how did they survive the flood? Either the Elohim, some of them decided to do it again, the same thing they'd done before with human women. But because God had locked up and imprisoned a whole bunch of them. That's if you can read that in Jude, Second Peter. They, either they did it again or another interesting thought is that uh, on, the, on the ark, one of the daughters-in-law had some sort of giant blood in her that they weren't aware of and it passed on through her. And you can sort of trace back through that situation. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm speculating now. Do you, know, you can speculate, just don't build theology on that. That's speculation because he didn't say. But there's still a giant problem. We have them. We, you know how long we have, we have giants until David finally eradicates the last of the giants. There are five giants happening back then. David takes out, you know who he takes out, right? Goliath. And then his guys take out Goliath's four brothers. Did you know there was five of them? 
which is always a fascinating story about why David picked up five stones when he went after the one giant. It was in case the other brothers came in. He'd take them all out then. But the, he get, so they finally deal with it, but it's still going on. And it's so, the, the giants cause so much problems that they corrupt the people of God. So horrifically, they have to be dealt with. That's just something to think about. But don't think that God just sort of haphazardly goes, whoop. It's not the heart of God. God's heart, always go back to this, Genesis 1 and 2. God's desire is to be in relationship with the people that he's created who choose to be in relationship with him. And he's going to do whatever it takes to work us back to that point. And that along the way, remember this quickly, Jesus loved the Bible. If you need another reason, Jesus loved the Bible. He used it throughout his ministry. It was his go-to. He, he knew the scripture and he used it all the time. And, and he used it to help people and to move people along and to stand up against attack. And oftentimes people will say, I've said this to you in the series, most people seem to be okay with Jesus at some level. They don't like the church and they don't like Christians, but they sort of have dealt with it. Well, Jesus is okay. And so, so I always, well, but Jesus loved the Bible. Because he uses it over and over again. He used it to stand up against the attack. Again, when he was, the temptation was going on in Matthew 4. He uses it to describe his mission uh, when he's preaching in the synagogue in Luke 4. And he uses it again in Mark 12 when he's dealing with religious leaders who are trying to trap him into something. And, and that, that verse, Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God? Was the verse we started this series with? It's still important that we understand what's going on there and that we don't get trapped in error or lose sight of the power of God. And I told you when I started, because I was taking that one verse, that we wouldn't finish this series without doing that verse in context. So we're going to do that next week. We're going to get the context of that verse as we end the series. But hang on to these tough things today. I know it's a little hard to sort of... But come away from this with the understanding that in the Scripture... The heart of God is that we're together in relationship with him forever. And there's no pain and there's no tears and there's no death and there's no shame and there's none of that garbage. Just us and him enjoying life forever. And that the rest of it is just human depravity and the fallout of what we do with the choice we're given. Done. Here we go. Okay. I don't know. I'm just trying. Ministry team, why don't you head over the wall? People in the way they're here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get prayer. Let me say this again. We do this at every time we gather. You are invited into his story. Jesus has made it possible. He's done everything that's required. Our response, all we have to do is say yes in faith. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? It's the beginning of everything that matters for you. And if you've never done it, please do it now. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? Best decision you will ever make in your life. Amen. Also, after Jesus rose from the dead, who were the first two people that he appeared to? Women. Yes. And he told them, go and tell. Go and tell, Peter. Go and tell. So that's what I always say when people laugh. He elevates the, women throughout his ministry, amen. as does Paul. Amen. We just, you know. Neither Jew nor Greek. Yeah, it's it's good very stuff. good news. Yeah, absolutely. Very good news. I'm going to go over and I'll be at the wall as soon as we're done to pray for you. So if you have anything you need prayer for, 
financial, emotional, physical, don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. I know some of my other girls will be down in a second as well. Thank you. And wait. Hang on. He told me if I kept pushing, it would get there. There we go. Doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being there. Prayer will be over there. These doors will be open for you. Head out that way. Looks like a nice day. Get out there. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. We will see you soon. Bye, everybody. Love you guys. Thanks for watching. That was a little tough, I know, but it's amazing, right? Always remember the heart of God, and, uh, and then don't blame him for all of the garbage that's on us, okay? All right, more next week. Love you guys. See you soon.